hey, howdy, hey. Welcome to the Texans Take. Okie oh, dokie. Right. Well, um, I'm back from Vegas, and we had a really good time. Um, I went with my cousin Caroline um, and uh, got to meet some cool people. Put our name out there, represented, and... Uh, so now, can, can you say why you were in Vegas yet, or is it still... Um, I'm not actually sure, so I'm going to go ahead and not say why I was in Vegas, but I will say that I did get to meet Jim Caviezel, and I got to shake his hand, and uh, that was really cool. That was a very special moment. Um, I'm sure and, Carolina enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize that she was... Uh, that Jim Caviezel is her favorite actor. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Jim Caviezel is great because a lot of actors, you really don't want to know anything about them. You know, like I'll watch your movie. Don't tell me about them because then I might not like, like their movies anymore, you know? And I don't like that. My grandfather was good for that. He'd tell you everything bad. Yeah. He didn't want to know about Dad's him. the same way. But anyway, uh, she, um, she likes Jim Caviezel. She said, he's somebody that I would actually want to meet and talk to, you know, and she did. She got to meet him and didn't really get to like actually talk to him. He actually talked to us, um, which is really cool. Um, but he's a Christian. Um, he's a Christian. He's um, he plays Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> uh, he also plays Luke in uh, Paul the Apostle. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Have you not seen that? Mm -mm. Oh, son, you need to watch it. It's a good one. Uh, we need to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, so that was really special. Very cool. We were very blessed to be there. Um, and hopefully the guy that invited us will be in our podcast soon. Um, you can look him up. His name is Juan, Juan O. Savine. You can find him online. Um, he's got a, uh, giving him a shout out. He's got a, a channel called, uh, uh, not a channel, it's actually a platform. It's, it's a political platform for um um, just political dis discourse, you know, where you won't get censored or docked for what you believe, doxxed for what you believe. Um, uh, and it's called 107daily.com. So check that out. And um, anyway, so I think we'll go ahead and get started here. So the last time we had just got into Leviticus and we read about the burnt offering. Now we're going to do this chapter a little bit differently just because this is all law, 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 law. And there's a lot of it. Um, and this is all talking about the burnt offering, the grain offering, the peace offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the offering with restitution, and all of that. And it's a little bit monotonous, and it's a little bit disjointed also. Um, and so what we're going to do, last week we read chapter 1, which is the burnt offering. And later on in Leviticus, um, in chapter 6... <coughs> Um, it tells you what that means. You have the law of the burnt offering. So in chapter 1, you have the burnt offering. It tells you about what the burnt offering is. Then in chapter 6, you have the law of the burnt offering. And you have that for the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, and the law of the peace offering also. And so 6 is kind of, you know, all of that put into practice. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead and read that law of the burnt offering. And then we'll go back and read the grain offering, and then we'll jump forward and read the law of the grain offering. So we're a little bit out, and I'll be sure to point y'all where in the Bible we are exactly so you can follow along. Um, 
But anyway, so we're not going to read chapter 2 of Leviticus. We're actually going to jump forward and read chapter 6. Uh, not all of it, just the law of the burnt offering. Um, so here we go. Actually, let me actually read from the beginning of chapter 6, because uh, this is kind of a preface. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Ladies and gentlemen, we come to you with the Duck Commander Faith and Family Bible. It is a New King James Version. Had to get that out there. Uh, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If the person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or about a pledge or about a robbery, or if he has extorted from his neighbor, or if he has found what was lost and lies concerning it, and swears falsely in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that which, uh, all that about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore its full value, and one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. And he shall bring, so let me go ahead and stop there. And so it's saying, you know, if you... If you're given something for safekeeping or you rob something, basically, if you have something that belongs to somebody else. Right. If you were given something for safekeeping or you extorted something and took mm -hmm. more than you were owed. Right. Um, or if you stole something, um, you know, or you found something that was lost and then you lie about it. You know, oh, I didn't. You know, uh, no, the the one that I found is red. Yours is yours is blue. So uh, um, this can't be yours. You know, I painted it red. No, blue. Whatever. Anyway, um, if you lie about what you found, um, you have something that belongs to somebody else. Then it shall be because he has sinned and is guilty. He shall res uh, restore what he was stolen. Uh, or basically give back, you know, whatever he has um, when uh, on the day, let's see, on the day of his trespass offering. So basically you're trespassing on somebody. Right. You, you, you've taken something that belongs to somebody else or you um, are on somebody else's property, I guess. Um, anyway, and he shall bring his trespass offering to the Lord, a lamb without blemish from the flock with your valuation as a trespass offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be given for any one of these things that he may have done in which he trespasses. Um, so that's the trespass offering. Okay, so the law of the burnt offering. So this is the law concerning the, the burnt offering that we read about in chapter 1. This is Exodus 6, 8. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen trousers he shall put on his body and take up the ashes of the burnt offering which the fire has consumed on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. Then he shall take off his garment and put on other garments and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. 
and the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall be uh, it shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order on it. And he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. <clears throat> A fire shall always be burning on the altar, and it shall never go out. Um, so it's interesting uh, on the the law of the burnt offering. Um, so after you sacrifice it, so the priest is putting on his linen ga garment and his trousers, uh, and he takes up the ashes of the burnt offer offering, which is consumed on the altar, put them beside the altar. He shall take off his garments, put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. So the emphasis on that area is cleanliness. Right. He had the off the garments on that he wore when he burnt the offering, which if anybody knows a good steak when you cook it on the stove or whatever uh you and the steak both smell like steak now <laughs> right uh and so um anyway after it's all burnt up he's having the the uh the priests um get into some clean clothes that are not don't smell like burnt meat um and the fire of the altar shall be kept oh and and then you shall um take the ashes outside to a clean place um and the the fire on the altar shall be kept burning shall not be put out so basically that's what it's saying that, that the priest does with the burnt offering and what he uses to burn it is the fire on the altar um and so basically he's telling them to keep it keep it fed you know the fire has always got to be fed right um <clears throat> And it shall be a continual fire, and you'll use that to, you know, start the fires for all the other, you know, right. burnt offerings. Um, which is really important, I think, because if you look at this, all of these offerings are a foreshadowing of Christ's offering himself as a sacrifice for us, right? He's the priest. Uh, he's also the sacrifice, and so he sacrificed um, our sin and himself as the as the you know um, as the lamb without blemish uh, as the offering. He offers them both up on the cross, and he's a priest, so he can do that. Um, and when Christ died for us as a Christian. We all hopefully know that you sin before you're a Christian, but you also sin after you're a Christian. Right. Or if you were born a Christian, you've been sinning your entire life. We're in a constant state of sin, of wandering and being apart from God. And Christ um, is constantly, he is a constant propitiation for our sins. So when Christ offered himself on the cross, it wasn't a... You're never going to sin again. It wasn't a you're never going to sin again. It was a whenever you do sin, I'll be there. this is paying for it. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's a constant. He's constantly... Um, it's, a, it's a permanent sacrifice. It's the ultimate sacrifice. Right. You know? And it is a sacrifice that's big enough and powerful enough and good enough uh, to cover all of our sins uh, that we commit, each one of us, individually, now and forevermore, uh, which is pretty awesome if you think about that. Um, I don't know about y'all, but uh, 
you know, I, 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 I sin quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, if not intentionally, unintentionally, and I'll catch myself, and it's, um, we have a sin nature. Mm-hmm. And the closer we get drawn to Christ, um, Christ replaces that sin nature with the Holy Spirit. Um, but whenever we do sin, Christ is a propitiation for our sins, and his offering, uh, his sacrifice covers that. And so he's in a constant state of covering our sacrifices, just like this fire for the offerings that they make, um, that the priests make for the uh, God's people here. He says to keep it continually burning. And I don't know if that's the exact imagery there that I'm seeing, but it, it just, it reminds me that, you know, this fire, Christ's sacrifice for us, his offering up our sins, or offering up himself as a sacrifice for our sins is constant, just like this fire that God is talking about. That fire is constantly burning. You shall keep it fed and it shall never go out. Mm-hmm. Um and so when I think about that constant fire, I think about Christ constantly offering up, you know, uh, sacrifices uh, for our sins. And so anyway, I thought that was kind of interesting. But anyway, that's the law of the burnt offering that ended on verse 13. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. So now we're actually going to go back and read Leviticus chapter 2, uh, the grain offering. When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom uh, shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense. Um, And the priest shall uh, burn it as a memorial on on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings uh, to the Lord made by fire. And if you bring as an offering a grain uh, offering baked in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. But if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mixed with oil. You shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. Uh, If your offering is a grain offering baked in uh, a covered pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord, and when it is presented uh, to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. Uh, Then the priest shall take from the grain offering a memorial portion uh, and burn it on the altar. It is an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And when it is left of the and what is left of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. No grain offering which you uh, bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey in any offering to the <laughs> Lord made by fire. It's interesting to note, just like the feast of unleavened bread. Yeah, yeah. Uh as for the offering of the first fruits, you shall offer them to the Lord, but they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet aroma. And every offering of your grain offering you shall season with salt. Uh-huh. Uh, you shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. Uh, 
With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering of your first fruits to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits green heads of green uh, green heads of grain roast, uh, roasted on the fire, grain beaten from full full heads, and you should put, shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. Then the priest shall burn the memorial portion, part of its beaten grain and part of its oil, with all the frankincense as an offering made by fire to the Lord. So those are all the different things that you can offer as a grain offering. Um, I actually did a Sunday school. I think we talked about that a while ago. Um, and my um, um, my class was on uh, Matthew, I think it's uh, 5.13 or 13.5, um, one of the two, which is uh, um, you, are the, you are the salt of the earth. Um, and if salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing and is to be trampled underfoot of men. Um, and in that, I started <clears throat> by talking about all the different um, areas of the Bible that salt is mentioned. And it's interesting is that one of them was this uh, verse here in Leviticus. Um, let's see. Hold on just one second. What is this? This is 13. No, I think it's 513. Matthew 513 is what I was teaching on. I just want to double check, you know, because I wanted to I wanted <clears throat> to point it out. Ah. Five. Yeah, 513. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> one of the verses that I've quoted was here in Leviticus, uh, where it's very interesting. It points out, you know, basically, you know, you can offer a burnt offering, a grain offering, um, and other offerings here, I guess. But, um, um, Mainly here it's grain. But any time you offer a grain offering, you're supposed to salt it. He says, don't give me a grain offering, uh, a baked grain offering without salt. <laughs> um, <clears throat> let's see. In every offering your, uh, of your grain offering, actually not even just baked, but any grain offering, uh, you shall season with salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. You shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. So remember, the reason that he's telling them to um, offer salt with the grain, um, and I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, but I, I, I want to say that um, in the burnt offering, it might have been salted also, but maybe not actually. I could be wrong there. But anyway, with the grain offering, it's always salt. Um, but yeah, the salt of the covenant, um, uh, because salt is one of those things that doesn't go away. It is a lasting thing. It's a preservative. It preserves, um, and it's, uh, because salt, um, is, it, it, it's so lasting because it preserves things. Um, it is an image of God's covenant with us. It's a lasting covenant. Right. And when, so anytime you ever hear... It is a covenant of salt. 
which you'll hear not often, but a couple times here in the Bible. Anytime you hear it is a covenant of salt, what that means is it doesn't mean that, you know, um, here's some salt, you know. Right. It means it is a lasting covenant. It's a covenant that um, will last forever. Right. Uh, and it's, you know. Um, well, you are the expert on salt. I am now. Uh, Brig doesn't like salt quite as nearly as I do. I, I see. Love I like salt. Salt. I like salt. In but fact, I... there was a time where I liked salt so much that it was probably very unhealthy. Uh, I could not eat mashed potatoes unless there was a, literally a layer of salt that I could salt, crunch on. Salt is fine as long as your kidneys are working well. <laughs> yeah, I think I have good kidneys. I don't want to put them through the ringer though. Um, I don't eat quite as much salt as see, I see. What's to. funny, and I've you know, if you look at this. Salt, actually, from from what Debbie has told me, is uh, generally not the cause of any kidney problems. Really? Yeah, salt is I'm actually so glad salt to hear that. is fine <laughs> as long as nothing else has diminished your kidney oh, function. If you have bad kidneys to begin with, then salt will make it worse. Right. Salt can, can salt will reveal the normal that you've got bad kidneys. Right. So if you have with, good functioning kidneys, and salt's fine, right? Like people ah. with diabetes, who their kidneys are already not working normally, yeah, that would be bad for them. People with heart issues that gotcha. have produced themselves, like if you had a heart attack, salt's fine, but it's probably not the best thing for you to do a lot of, right? You know, um, lay off the margarita. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, just not not every single meal for everything. Salt's fine in moderation at that point. But as long as your kidneys are working normal, from what she's told me, I'm not a doctor, yeah. but this is what she has explained to me because I've always had the, and yeah, my yeah. argument my argument to her was, well, my grandfather, you know, he had these heart issues. She was like, ah, but that could cause the kidneys to work not normally. Uh, Whereas if you're healthy and your kidneys are working normally, salt's not going to hurt it. Gotcha. That's good to know. Thank you. I needed to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Because she does I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> she does. She said that several times, you yeah. know, like when she passes the salt to somebody and it's like, oh, it's probably not good for you. She, oh, it's fine as long as your kidney's working on it. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. that's the trick. Okay. You know? I'll remember that. And we should look it up and double check it. Yeah, I mean that's just I mean uh, she's a nurse, so yeah, I, she's a she nurse. She knows so she knows more she knows than I do. Than me. Yeah. But anyway, so salt um uh Salt is lasting, it's preserving, uh, it's cleansing. Um, <clears throat> and so there are several different reasons why salt is a, um, why our covenant with God is described as a, a covenant of salt. But anyway, moving on. So that's the grain offering. Now, um, in the last couple of minutes that we have here, do we have time? Maybe we should take a break. Well, I'll probably should take a break right here. And Let's pick go up. take a break. Uh, we'll come back and read the Law of the Grain Offering. All right, bye. We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. Howdy, <laughs> we back. All right, all right. So, so we just finished reading the grain offering with grains and salts and first fruits and fluff. And now we're going to skip forward to Leviticus 6, chapter 8. Uh, I said that wrong. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8. Um, chapter 6, verse 8. And we're going to read the law of the... Oh, I lied again. It's chapter 6, verse 14. We're in chapter 6, verse 14. We're going to read the law of the grain offering. So, this is the law of the grain offering. 
the sons of Aaron shall offer it on the altar before the Lord. He shall take from it his handful of the fine flour of the grain offering, which uh, with its oil and all the frankincense, which is on the grain offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma as a memorial to the Lord. And the remainder of it Aaron and his sons shall eat with unleavened bread. It shall be eaten in a holy place. In the court of the tabernacle of meeting they shall eat it. It shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion of my offering made by fire. It is most holy, like the sin offering and the trespass offering. All the males among the children of Aaron may eat it. It shall be a statute forever in your generations concerning the offerings uh, made by fire to the Lord. Everyone who touches them must be holy. Um, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This is an offering of Aaron and his sons, which they shall offer to the Lord, beginning on the day when he is anointed, one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour as a daily grain offering, half of it in the morning and half of it at night. It shall be made in a pan with oil. When it is mixed, you shall bring it in. The baked pieces of the grain offering you shall offer for a sweet aroma to the Lord. The priest from among his sons, who is anointed in his place, shall offer it. It is a statute forever to the Lord. Uh, it shall be holy, uh, holy burned, that's holy, W-H-O-O-L-Y, and all of it's burned. For every grain offering uh, for the priest shall be holy burned, it shall not be eaten. Um, so that's the grain offering. There you have it. Um, and as you can see, part of the grain offering God gives to the priests, and they eat it. Um, just like part of the um, uh, part of the burnt offering God gives to the priests, and they eat it. Um, so the priests are eating pretty darn good. Um, they get meat and they get bread, so they can have a sandwich if they want. I guess. Um, but, uh, anyway, so that's the grain offering. Um, nothing really stuck out to me, um, of note. Not that this isn't notable, but that nothing stuck out to me. Um, <laughs> not that it wasn't worthy. Right, right. But anyway, so that's the grain offering. So now let's move on to chapter three. The peace offering. Peace. The peace offering. Uh, there's a, a church. I didn't know the peas were offering anything. Yeah, well, um, there's a church in Asheville called uh, uh, Grace and Peace, and everybody calls it Grapes and Peas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think, a relatively normal thing. That's the uh, one they do over at the Orange Peel, isn't it? It's like a, a meet and greet church. I'm honestly not sure. I think that's I think that's where certain people went that we know. Okay. For a while. Yes. Yes. Probably right. I think they do it at the Orange Peel, which is like an amphitheater. Oh. Interesting. Okay. I think I don't know. I've never been, obviously. <laughs> but the Orange Peel holds other functions like concerts and stuff. That's why oh. I was thinking that's not their. They are a mobile church that just meets there. Mm -hmm. A gathering of people. Yeah. Okay. But it's not a bad thing. I mean, I've been to churches that did that. Sure. It's not horrible. 
Yeah, it happens all the time. Uh, there was a church in um, Austin. Um, the um, let's see, the church I went to was Redeemer, and the Redeemer had a uh, a split off called uh, um, All Saints. Um, I didn't know that was a splinter off of Redeemer. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. And it's All Saints Presbyterian. Because uh, didn't you visit there once? I something? did. I visited there <laughs> once, actually, before I went to Redeemer. Um, and it was it was nice. I enjoyed it. Uh, met that's where I met um, um, Greg Grooms and Mary Jane Grooms of Hill House, uh, the Hill House um, organization that I was part of, and started going to Hill House because of that. Um, but I didn't go back to All Saints. It didn't really do anything for me as far as that goes. I can't say why. I don't know. It's not that I didn't meet nice people there, but it just, I, I don't know. It just didn't float my boat, I guess. Uh, but the day that I went to Redeemer, that <coughs> did float my boat. Wow, it was just amazing. Um, but uh, anyway, all that to say, um, there is a church that splintered off of All Saints. Oh, and I'm trying to remember what it's called. It's like schism or schism. It wasn't necessarily a schism. I think there was just a, a, a really large congregation. Oh, and okay. So they were trying to. I think part of it might have been a little bit of schism, <laughs> um, but they had other reasons. It wasn't just like you know I disagree with you. Um, There's also things like the congregation was really large and they wanted to have multiple places for them to meet. Okay. Um, and I want to say. I want to say that the third split off was called Grace and Peace. I could be wrong, but I think that's what it was called. I forget. But anyway, uh, all of that to say, the peace offering. And it's a peace offering, not, not peas. You're not offering peas to the Lord. And this is Leviticus chapter 3. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering... If he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Oh, it is grace and peace. Yeah. Uh, Rick just looked it up, so thank mm. you. I was not wrong. I was just bewildered a little. Um, if I bet money on it, that's what I would have said, but I probably wouldn't have actually bet money on it because I didn't actually know 100%. But anyway. Uh, and he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons and priests shall sprinkle the blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks. And the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire, as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Like I said, you hear that a lot, sweet aroma to the Lord. God loves his burnt offerings. Um, if his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, um, is of the flock, uh, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting. 
and Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering, as an offering made by fire to the Lord, its fat and the whole fat tail, uh, which he shall remove close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, uh, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is on them on the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. I imagine that everything that we said earlier, he's going to say again. Let's just see. He shall lay his hand on his head and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, and the sons of Aaron shall sprinkle its blood all around the altar. Then he shall offer from it an offering as an offering made by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flank, and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food. An offering made by fire for a sweet aroma, all the fat that is all the fat is the Lord's. This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings, you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Um, so the blood you're not to eat and the fat you don't eat because that's for the Lord. Right. So that's the end of chapter 3, the peace offering. So this is a peace offering. And... I guess what's interesting is at the very beginning it says, When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. So it sounds like it's kind of inferred that a peace offering is a, a lamb, male or female, or a goat. Um, and so he goes through and says, you know, get all these entrails and fluff like that and burn it. Um... And then, if it's an offering from the flock, uh, if he offers a lamb, do all that and get it and burn it. And then, if it's a goat, do all that and get it and burn it. Um, and that's basically the peace offering. So, let's skip forward now to chapter 6, three chapters ahead, and read the law of the sin offering. So, we just read... Oh, wait a minute. Oh, interesting. Actually, no, we need to read a little further. So we have... Uh, hold on. So that was the peace offering. Where's the law of the peace offering? Ah, here we go. So we're actually going to jump way ahead. This is a little disjointed here. We're actually jumping to uh, Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. So 711. Huh. Leviticus 711. Uh, and this is the law of the peace offering. So we just read about the peace offering. So now we're going to read the law of the peace offering. This is not chapter 6. This is chapter 7, 11. Verse 11. So this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cake, cakes, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. And from it he shall offer one cake. Turn the page. 
one cake offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice, but on the next day the remainder of it also may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it. Ouch. And the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. And what was that saying? It said, um, and if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten, so don't eat any of the flesh, uh, on the third day, it shall not be accepted. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's what it's saying. Don't do it. The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. Oh. Uh, what? I'm just trying to figure out what the distinction is. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, it shall not be accepted. But then 19, it says, The flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. And so it's saying that there is flesh. Wait. Well, it just the distinction is not on the third day. I guess. Interesting. So on the third day. Interesting. Oh, that's a foreshadowing. Want to talk uh -huh. about it? That is. Go for it. See, what's your take on that? What's your Texan take on that? I, mean, I don't have a lot other than that to direct, you know, the cleanliness of the rise of God. Yeah, you know, who died? Uh, who rose from the dead yeah, on the third day? Exactly. Yeah. Jesus, mm. our Savior. He wasn't Not in the grave on the third day. He right. rose. Right. And so this might be a foreshadowing of that. Don't eat it on the third day. Right, because basically it doesn't count anymore. He's not right. there. Interesting. Very interesting. So it stops at day two. Yeah. Or really day three. When day three starts, nope. Yeah. But then it gives you distinctions on what to eat up until, up that, until point. that point. Yeah. That's, um, that's very interesting. interesting. Wow. Um, but the person who eats uh, the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offering. Oh, and added, he says, if the flesh that touches any unclean, uh, the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. So there's a there's an infinite emphasis on cleanliness here. Why? Why is there an emphasis on cleanliness here? Because God only accepts perfect sacrifices. Okay. So you'll get the lamb without blemish, okay? So you're getting the best of the best, and you're offering the best of the best to the Lord. Um, which is the reason why we 
cannot offer ourselves as a sacrifice to the Lord. We can die, you know, and God can say, and God will not say, oh, you died for your sins. Great. Sorry. I'm not going to count that. And the reason is because what? We're dirty. We're the ones that sinned. We're filthy. We cannot be propitiation for our own sins. The only one that can is somebody who is perfect, who is just, who is clean. That's the emphasis on cleanliness, clean. Who's clean? Who's spiritually clean? Because that's the deal here. Mm -hmm. See, in the Old Testament, everything is really physical. It is. Okay. That's why you have all these physical offerings that are being offered up. In the New Testament, everything becomes more spiritual in that um, you have one sacrifice, um, and it's not eaten or anything like that. Jesus isn't eaten on the cross, but what does he say? This is my body, this is my blood that's given for you. Take, eat in remembrance right. of me. And so you're eating bread and wine as a uh, to remember Christ, okay, to remember what he did for us, or what for the apostles who were eating the, the first... Um, 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 word my brain Passover? no uh i guess the last supper the past communion yeah, well, the first the, communion the the really the passover meal the last supper. yes, yes it yes, was yes, the yes, passover yes, yes. meal it was it was the passover meal it's called the last supper and now we call it communion um but anyway where was i going with that uh anyway it was it, it was spiritual Okay, it wasn't, you know, here's my arm, take a bite. You know, this is the best arm that you'll ever find. Um, it was, uh, this is my body, which is given for you, take eat in remembrance of me. And he gave them bread. Okay, and so it's spiritual. Okay, it's figurative. It's not, you're not actually eating the body of Christ. Um, you're eating bread um, as a remembrance of the body that he broke for you. Right. And you're not drinking Christ's blood. You're drinking wine as a remembrance of the blood that he shed for you. Right. Um, and so we go from the physical to the spiritual. Okay. Um, and so anyway, um, what you see here, it's very interesting that any of the... Uh, Flesh that's left on the third day will not count because Jesus rose on the third day. Right. And I'm not saying that this is exactly the reason. I think that's a really good idea. I'm not Christ. I'm not the Holy Spirit. It probably is a foreshadowing. You know? It looks like a foreshadowing to me. So that's what I'm going to go with today. Um, but on top of that, cleanliness, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He did not sin. He couldn't sin. He's God. God is good. People have a really hard time with that one. They do. They do. You know how you know, does there, there's so not many people. Sin? There's so many people going around trying to disprove that or yeah. prove something other than that. <laughs> and it's just, um, it is what it is. Yeah. You know, you, you can't you can't change that. Yeah. Um, by nature, he cannot sin, and that's to say, which is interesting. There are limitations on God, and a lot of even Christians will say you're, you're, you're limiting God. You know, you can't limit God. God can do anything. 
That's not true. There are limitations on God as far as his nature. Mm-hmm. God cannot sin by definition. Okay. So, and I'm not saying, you know, God can't do that. God can't do that. What I'm saying is there are parts of God's nat- nature that cannot not be. Okay. God is good. God is always good. God cannot be bad. Okay. God cannot sin. He is the definition of perfection. Right. Okay. And so, um, nothing that God does is imperfect. That is to say, everything that God does is perfect. And so when Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross, he was a perfect lamb without blemish. Now, he was beaten. He was bruised. He was uh, given a thorn of uh, a crown of thorns. Uh, he was scourged. That was the start of his sacrifice, though. Right. But also, more importantly than that, he was a perfect lamb without blemish spiritually. Like I was saying, everything in the New Testament, we're going towards spiritual, right? So Jesus was spiritually clean, perfect, a mm-hmm. lamb without blemish. What is a blemish? What is a spot? What is a stain on your record? Sin. Right. Jesus couldn't sin by nature and so is the only one who could be a sacrifice for us because he's perfect okay it's pretty that's pretty deep really when you think about it yeah it's real deep um and so we could go on about that but uh, i just wanted to point that out there's an emphasis on cleanliness here and the reason why you cannot eat meat that was dropped on the ground or uh, touch something unclean, the reason why was because that doesn't count. We're all Everything here is pointing towards Christ. He's the perfect sacrifice, okay? He's the perfect lamb without blemish. He is spiritually clean. And so anything that is to represent him is to represent him well, in that it can't be unclean, okay? Because that would be, um, you know, that's a no-no. Right. Um, you can't have something unclean representing something that's clean, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh, we could go on about that. There's plenty more to say about it, but uh, I think I said everything that is in my little noggin anyway. <laughs> With salt. That's right. <laughs> Ah, uh, the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanliness, an unclean animal, or any abominable unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. Ouch. So don't um, do that. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, anyway, so... I'm actually just going to read a little further here. This is interesting. This is not related to... Um, uh, it is related to the offerings... 
but not to a specific offering. It just uh, it says the fattened blood may not be eaten. So I figured it was interesting. We'll finish with this. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, You shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat, and the fat of an animal that dies naturally, and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which the men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall not eat any blood in any of your dwellings, uh, whether of bird or beast. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. Um, so no fat and blood. And uh, it says in any of your dwellings, specifically of the blood, so it says no blood can be eaten. Is the fat, is the fat, um, see, speak to the children of Israel saying you shall eat, you shall not eat any fat. Because it seems like, it looks like of ox or sheep or goat and the fat of an animal that dies naturally. The fat of what is torn by wild beasts. Maybe used in any other way, but you shall by no means eat it for the fat of the animal which the men offer. For whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. It sounds like only the fat of the offering right. shall not be eaten. That's, that's what I'm getting at. I'm not, I, I, I'm not sure if that extends to the fat of just an animal that you, you know, yeah, stab for dinner. Yeah, I don't think dinner. that extends to it. I that's think. what it sounds like here. And don't quote me on that, um, but that's what it looks like. Yeah, it sounds like it's just one of those things where it's the offering. If it's the don't. offering, you don't eat it because that's God's. Right. Right. Because they were showing in the other part all the fat and stuff like that. You gather together and burn that for the Lord. Right. And so it sounds like an offering deal here. It's not you cannot eat fat. It's that don't eat the fat of an offering. Right. You know, to God because it's His, not yours. So don't eat it. There's a, there's but a it does, it there. does, it does make a distinction with the blood, where it says, "Moreover, you shall not eat any blood of your dwellings, whether a bird or beast." So that's saying, you know, while you're while you're at home, when honey's in there in the <laughs> kitchen cooking supper, no blood, because. Um, um, anybody that eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. So, no fat of the offering and no blood, period. All of that to say, we have run out of time for today. And, so I can't uh, have rare steaks anymore. Let's see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will see you next time. All right. Adios. Adios. Thank you for listening to the Text of the Take. You can follow us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and more.